In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today in the Gospel, we heard a warning. My homily will not be exactly on the Gospel, but it struck me that in the homily that I've prepared, that it does touch on one aspect, uh, one line, the ending of the Gospel, of what Abraham says to the rich man, that if they do not believe Moses and the prophets, then they will not even believe one who has risen from the dead. And today, in the homily, I want to actually focus on the epistle. In our church through this season, I don't know if exactly it's been in sequence, but I've noticed that we are given several accounts over these last few weeks of St. Paul's conversion on the road from Damascus. By Paul's own words, we've heard him account part of that today, that he was not given man's gospel, but the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what I want to focus on today is a way to understand Saul becoming Paul and his conversion on the road to Damascus. So St. Paul, before he was the great apostle to the Gentiles, was a man of extreme sincerity and extreme zealotry, but not for the things of Jesus Christ. He was a man who zealously and sincerely went after those who followed Jesus Christ. Indeed, in the Acts of the Apostles, he said, give me your coats while I stand and watch you martyr the first martyr the deacon Stephen. He stood by with the coats of those who threw the stones and approved of them. And today in the epistle, we've heard him even boast of his great learning that there was hardly anyone greater in Judaism than he. And so that sincerity and that extreme zealotry is what St. Paul is really, really leaning into in that epistle the epistle that we've heard today. He had a sincerity for the pure things of the law. It became a, a pursuit that all he could see was the things of the law. And he was zealous, as he says, for the traditions of his fathers. So Saul wanted these things without giving anything up. He wanted others to be exactly as he saw that they should be. And he had a sincere desire that he thought this was a good thing. And that he was extremely zealous to see others accomplishing the traditions of what he called the traditions of his fathers. He wanted, really, the recognition of his peers. We can see within this epistle the recognition, the great pride that he had of being one of the top among the Jews. One of no, greatest, no greater learning, no greater piety, and people looked up to him. So Saul, this was his motivation. This was his sincere desire, to be great by these things. And he was zealous for those to make those who contradicted him or saw in the law not, this is not the fulfillment of everything, but that there is more because of Jesus Christ. His whole zealotry was turned 
toward the persecution of those who followed the Messiah. Saul could not see because he had a limited vision, limited eyes, that understood the scriptures only in a carnal way, the fathers tell us. Saul could only see things as an understanding of how to fleshly accomplish them. There was no, nothing in there that was an internal transformation. He applied the scriptures only to the exterior man and not the interior man. And by that strict keeping, he became the greatest among his people. The greatest among all of those who merely by earthly eyes interpreted the scriptures. This is what it meant by that he was extremely zealous for the traditions of his fathers. Only those exterior things was he zealous for. Paul, or Saul, was not changed to Paul by these things. The depth of his heart remained the same no matter how good he kept all these exteriors and how much he tried to enforce those exteriors on others. You could think of it in this way. Saul and the Pharisees for whom he was one of the greatest, it was like seeing a rock covered in barnacles. You can kind of see this sometimes walking on the beach here. So covered in barnacles that you can't see the rock underneath. And you mistake the shape and the things of those barnacles as the thing underneath itself that is holding those up. He couldn't see it. He could only see the barnacles, the adhesions, the things living on the rock, or attempting to live on the rock, at least. He could only think of the barnacles, you could say. He was really good at teaching about those. But he couldn't see the rock of faith that was underneath. He couldn't see it until that day on the road to Damascus, where Christ revealed himself and spoke to him and the spiritual blindness that he lived in manifested itself as physical blindness. From that day and for another several days, he could not see a single thing. And he was commanded to go wait. And then we have his conversion beginning. What Saul could not see was the Son of God and his incarnation giving and fulfilling the entirety of the law. He was the enemy of Christ. He could not see that the long-suffering Christians were doing this as the patience and the long-suffering of their Lord, and that they saw the rock of faith, and this is what stabilized them. Saul could not see these things at first. So what we hear in Saul's and see in Saul's life is sincerity and zeal separated truly from God, even if it was highly religious. Especially in times of hardship and suffering, he could not see that as being the blessing of God. He could not see how that could sustain. And this is where things begin to change for Saul and for him to become Paul. We see this in our own lives very often. Perhaps we younger ones, in our generation, see and often think and trying to find authentic things, authentic people, authentic experiences. We try to see behind something, but often we make the same mistake as Saul. We see zeal and sincerity as the fullness of something. 
and we call that authentic. We strive to hear and see those who have great confidence, great learning, and we think and call this authentic, the real thing. But it's not actually the real thing. And I give this warning for those of us who may be tempted to call that the real thing. That this often hides some way that we are being taken advantage of, or being used, or that someone else is puffing up their own pride and their own ego with an I don't care attitude, perhaps, or simply the overwhelming of I know more than you. It is attractive, but it is empty, and it is not actually the authentic thing. But Saul came face to face with the reality of Jesus Christ, with the one true and only authentic one. Saul's spiritual blindness became a physical blindness, and when he traveled and finished his journey to Damascus and was on the road called Straight, the Lord sent a man named Ananias, a priest of Jesus Christ, to go lay hands on him and to baptize him. And then he became a whole man once again. Not only did he see Jesus Christ with his spiritual eyes, but his physical eyes were healed as well. And Saul becomes a wholly new man. And this is signaled by now that we call him Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles. St. John of Damascus, when he looks at this great conversion of Saul to Paul, says this, and this about this epistle. The whole construction of the epistle is a demonstration that he did not receive the mystery from man. For such an abrupt conversion could not possibly have taken place through a man. The teaching of men makes progress little by little. This is the way normal learning works. But there is also another underlying construction in that he gently teaches the Galatian Christians and us not to do the things of the law. For he says, if he who showed such great diligence in connection with the law abandoned the things of the law and turned to the salvation which is from faith, it is obvious that he abandoned the law as being unable to lead to perfection. How much more fitting then would it be for those who have turned to faith not to seek to follow what is unable to lead to perfection? That perfection, which St. John of Damascus is pointing at, is the interior change that happened for Paul and that really truly made him one who actually follows God. Paul did not need to be proved by the apostles, as he says in his epistle, because all of his prior life was learning those exteriors, learning the scriptures in and out. His knowledge and his zeal now took a new focus. All his life is now seen as fulfilled in Christ. Saul's Christless vision of the law faded with the healing at the hands of the priest Ananias, and all became known in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul's sincerity and his zeal did not go away when he became a Christian. He did not become someone who didn't pursue things anymore. But rather, it became a sincere desire and a zeal to give the life of Christ that had been now revealed to him to those who suffer. Those who he persecuted before, he now joined. These characteristics 
were baptized and given a new life. Paul became a new man, a man living in the fulfillment of the Savior and the Messiah, Jesus Christ. All that he had before now took on this focus, and he became an apostle in truth. When sincerity then is tied to the fire of zeal and to patience and in long-suffering with Christ, then the fullness of life, that perfection which of Damascus talked about, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in Paul's words, not man's gospel, will be revealed to those who we interact with, to our own heart and the inner depths of ourselves. The revelation of Jesus as a call of grace is given to every person, and we need to hear it, sometimes in a grand way, as happened to Paul on that road. And it is given even to those, as we know from this, the story of Saul, Paul's life, to those who hate and persecute Christ. That invitation, that ray of grace is given even to those. St. John, returning to him, St. John of Damascus says, if he were indeed called to the mission from the mother's belly, how did he become a persecutor? How does this work? St. John says he has indeed solved this inextricable difficulty in another place when he says, so that Christ might might first demonstrate in me his entire long-suffering, providing a type for those who are to believe in him unto eternal life. So in other words, we are given the story of Paul and we see and preserve this apostolic ministry and his apostolic call because it tells us that it is given to anyone, no matter what you have done, even to those who participated in the first Christian martyrdom. So, if we have sincerity and zeal, and I hope each of you do, tie that to patient vigilance for God and suffering with him. The Lord will take you where you need to go if you have these things, even if we can't see exactly where that is where he is taking us. It is by patience that sincerity and zeal can do and mean anything. It is by these virtuous intentions and this revelation that a whole life of the fullness of the gospel can then be lived. We must not just want to win others to our side as Saul was doing. We are too easily mistaken for that to be our measurement for what is actually good. Who knows this better than St. Paul, whose words are given to us today? We must be identified with Christ in his revelation. Then we may be able to have that ray of grace and give it to others. Only then will the patience and long-suffering that is born in us be our salvation. Then sincerity and zeal tied to patience and long-suffering save us. So when we have this today, So let's pray for it. Our Lord, Jesus, and Savior, our Christ, who descended from heaven even for the sake of his enemies, that they may be saved and given lives capable of eternal joy. Restore our sight that we may see you. Grant us the grace to hear your voice that we may live in the fullness of the truth all the days of our life and walk the straight road 
in the light of thy gospel to see all things in your loving providence. Amen.